Liquid War Gable. I think it's really... Is it very loud? Oh, it's fine. Um, <clears throat> well, it is funny that uh, Joseph and... Uh, and uh, Not funny. It's interesting that Joseph and Dennis has been uh, reading ahead... And they th and they think how much they th they've been thinking about how much they think I'm going to preach about, but I'm going to surprise all of you today, because we're only going to preach on four verses. <laughs> uh, because I was uh, as I was preparing, um, uh, could you turn on the screen, Abel? No, we just forgot about it. Sorry. He's doing a good week. He's making everything work. Uh, but you can go to Acts in your Bible, and then we'll get ready. Um, we're going to do Acts 24, and, and just uh, through 27. I was going to do a lot more, but then as I was writing, it was just there was too many things. There was way, way too many things to talk about, so I cut it, I cut it out there. Um, but before we do that, uh, I found this uh, video, which prayerfully also hopefully works. Um, and it's a, I think it's really good. It talks about this particular place uh, where Paul is uh, imprisoned in uh, Caesarea Maritima. And it kind of also actually, you can do it full screen. During the time of Jesus, Caesarea was one of the jewels of the Roman Empire near its far eastern.
I just thought it was a really good, just a good recap, because sometimes when we read through the Bible, it's like, okay, well, they're there, they're there, they're there. Um, <laughs> but we've already been there many times. Uh, we were there when it was uh, Peter and Cornelius. We were there when Paul was taken away one time. Now he's there again. So just to, just, that was just to encourage you guys with what, where it is and then as Sadie would say sometimes is it a real place do these places yes it is a real place uh, let's read together 24 to 27 after some days Felix came with his wife Drusilla who was Jewish and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus and as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment Felix was alarmed and said go away for the present when I get an opportunity I will summon you at the same time he hoped that money would be given by given him by Paul so he sent for him often and conversed with him when two years had elapsed Felix was succeeded by Pontius Festus and desiring to and drank, desiring to do the Jews a favor Felix left Paul in prison this is the word of the Lord now as I said my original plan was to read all through very long um, but we'll do that later um, so Paul was we had Paul had his uh, second trial last week, and then um, uh, there was this strange thing that in twenty two Felix had a rather accurate knowledge of the way, but he says, "Oh, I'll I'll wait with you giving a sentence till Lysias comes," but we don't know if he never <laughs> if he ever shows up, uh, and. And uh, Felix doesn't really anything. 
he doesn't really do anything to solve the case, as we talked about last time. And now we, we know that his, as I was referenced last time, that his incomes, like he actually, uh, there's a delegation sent to the Romans because he's he suppresses a, um, some tensions between Jews and Gentiles uh, so violently that they actually he actually gets sent away uh, along with his wife into uh, what is called uh, Gaul uh, up in France somewhere. They're kind of actually deposed from that post to somewhere else because he didn't really do the job that he were set there to do. But then we have this actually very interesting time where uh, where we we see that he brings his wife, who's a Jew, and did, did some very complicated things about these people. So she's no. We can talk about that. I'm not going to explain. She's the princess of. It's a long story, but um, but she's Jewish. Now the issue is she's already been married to somebody else. <laughs> she was married to somebody else when Felix kind of stole her away. I got somebody to take her, and this is Felix's third marriage. And Drusilla was married to another king to make an alliance. So, but she was apparently very beautiful. So then, Felix, when he sees her, he gets somebody to kind of you know. I don't know, not adopt her, but to make it possible to, to uh, for him to have her as, as his wife. Now, there's all sorts of speculations, like why we have this story, and why is is this the is this the reason why he knows more about the Jews? Is this is it is she curious? Is she curious about who Paul is and who Jesus is? Is is there like why why would he bring his wife to hear Paul? And maybe he wouldn't have if he knew what Paul was going to talk about, because <laughs> he brings out <laughs> he brings out uh, some uh, some. Uh, if you take the next slide, the one with the four points. Um, well, he brings out four really strong points. He talks about faith in Jesus Christ, so that's very important. They need to know the gospel. He talks about righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment. It's very, very interesting when we know a little bit about those two people, how Paul just boldly keeps speaking the truth about Jesus. I mean, I guess it can't be so much worse because he's in prison. <laughs> they they don't seem to take him out, so he's just got. I'm gonna preach Jesus to whoever's there. There's been there's some different people who say, well. What is Paul thinking at this time? You know, he's just he's just sitting there in prison and he can't do anything. Well, that's not exactly true because he ha he can have his friends come, and so you can also see it's like a sabbatical in prison. Like he can write letters to the churches. He can do different things. Somebody said said that maybe Luke was there and he was writing Luke as Paul was talking. Uh, so there's possibility for him to do different things in the prison. The tradition also says that if he was, depending on how he was imprisoned, this is probably more true about him in Rome, that there would be a, a god uh, chained to him all the time. And he would, like, they would rotate them out and in. Uh, 
so they would do six hours with him. But see, <laughs> the funny part is that maybe that's not the smartest thing to do with Paul because he's going to talk to all of them about Jesus. And so, so in that sense, he's going to get four witnesses a day where he can talk to them about Jesus. And so if he's prisoned for two years, <laughs> I mean, some of them are, of course, the same. But so it's not like, um, I guess it all depends on what kind of glasses you're sitting with in prison. And also just what kind of confidence, you know, the verse that I kept saying where Jesus stands by him in the prison. You've testified about me here. You will go to Rome and testify about me there. So maybe that's also for kind of his boldness and maybe just something for us to think about. When God, God in his word says different things, we can really stand on those things and, uh, and live those things out. So Paul just boldly talks about Jesus and then he doesn't, uh, like he shares about who Jesus is and, and so in Acts we have these four, three or four accounts of how Jesus, uh, Paul talks about who Jesus is. And so Paul would start out with who he is. He would say, okay, I was brought up in the strictest sect of a, as being a Pharisee. And he uses again, I, I, am, I, I lived a blameless life uh, before I had a good conscience before God and man. And I still do. That's still his defense, also as Dennis was saying. And then, but then he would talk about, but Jesus met me. Jesus met me, changed my life completely. I still want to live. Uh, I still want to live and honor God. I want to have a clear conscience towards God and towards people. I want to do what Jesus has called me to do, and that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm sharing. I'm not making up anything new. Jesus is the fulfillment. He's the Messiah. He's the one we've been looking for. But then, when we talk about righteousness, then Paul would also, what we know from his letters, would also say. Well, my righteousness does not come anymore from me being able to keep the law. That's where my good conscience comes from. But my righteousness comes from Jesus Christ's life, death, resurrection. That's where I get my righteousness from now. So he would explain to them about righteousness. <laughs> and then they might, uh, well, you know... You know, Felix has been accused of all these things. He's corrupt. He, you, he used to be a, he's a freed slave. Uh, the one commentator saying he, he, he rules with like, he rules as like he was a freed man, but with the violence of like he was still being a slave. We you know they're not. We know he's not too. Uh, what do you? <laughs> what would you say? His moral character is not one that spills out righteousness because he's willing to let Paul linger in prison with no sentence for this long when we talk about the third one also he doesn't seem to have much self-control he seems to act out in anger he seems to take whatever women he wants and so on and so on so so I think they they might be listening very well at point one being very interested in who is Jesus and saying also two okay so we can maybe have righteousness in Jesus but then when he goes to three and four about having self-control knowing the two people we have where he is in front of that might have not been received very well and then when he goes into the f number four 
then we we hear here that he's alarmed he is actually afraid he is terrified so he goes through shares the gospel of Jesus Christ his own life who Jesus is that's how we can have our righteousness that's actually how we can have self-control is because we believe in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We believe his righteousness is therefore given to us. So therefore we can have self-control. We're not fighting sin against ourselves. We're not captive to sin anymore. We can now have self-control. And then there's a coming judgment. And then he gets, then he gets alarmed and scared and terrified. Now he is not terrified into repentance. You know, sadly he is, he puts Paul away. He can't or he will not receive Paul's words. He was afraid. But he was not afraid. Or he did not fear God in a way that led him to accept the words of truth that Paul was preaching. So we can, we know that we read about in Paul's letters. There's a godly grief that leads to death. There's a god, there, there's there's a godly one that leads to repentance and life in Jesus. That's not the one we're seeing here in Felix. It's the one, unless something else happened, that leads to death. And it was interesting because. I have it. I think I have it later. It, there seems to be a parallel with him and then Herod. Uh, Herod that he captures um, John the Baptist because his, he takes his brother's Philip's wife. So that's also, um, or uh, um, uh, that is not lawful. And and, and 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 John is very bold about that. His wife Herodias is not happy about that. So she really does not like Paul. But Herod kind of likes him, and he hears him. He likes to hear him talk and stuff. But it doesn't lead to repentance. And so we see the same thing here. Uh, Herod actually, because of his stupid promise, ends up having to cut the head off John. But then what I would say is that when we do these sermons... It's to encourage you, but it's also to challenge you. So then we come to the, the part where we have to interact. So, so when you hear a sermon like this, or if you listen to sermons, and when you do devotions, and when you read the Bible, well, you might actually even step back and say, like, why do you do that? And do you intend to receive the word? Do you intend to submit to Christ and do what the word says? Or is it more something we have to check off so we can go on, go on in our day? Or maybe read it, but then pretend like you haven't heard what it says and just go on. Um, or just another question, are you, are you gladly listening to many serving and reading much of your Bible and maybe many good books? But you know, actually, you're, you know in yourself you're not going to obey it. You can say maybe it's kind of a Phariseeism of our day. We will 
do all these things, but we know we won't change? Or do you find people to listen, that, or do you find preachers or books that makes you feel good about not changing, about not becoming more like Christ? But that's the opposite Paul is calling us to. Paul is starting with faith in Jesus Christ is the foundation for us to stop, to stop saying that we're righteous in ourselves but to trust that Jesus is our righteousness and to trust then, okay, I'm not just willing myself into doing something. I have to be a more moral person. I'll have to be a more moral person. No, because now the righteousness and the fruit of the spirit of self-control should be molded in us by the Holy Spirit that works in us. So we are aware that we don't have to give in to sin and, and do that. And why, then what scared, what scared um, Felix and what many people have a very hard time with today is that God can be angry or that God is just judge. No, we don't, we don't like that. He is always love. He never gets angry. This is not what we read in the Bible. And then Jesus Christ doesn't make any sense. Because then we don't need somebody to come in and save us from our sin, the wrath of God, and, and all the things that we've committed. So it goes at the core of humans. And, and it, it includes, it includes F Felix and Drusilla here. Okay, I'll listen to who Jesus is, you know. Okay, maybe I don't believe that. I Okay, I don't need... I'm righteous. I mean, okay, kill a few people, take some bribes. Mm, maybe I'm better than 50%. I have my own righteousness. Self-control, well, you know, sometimes maybe I'm self-controlled. But then when it comes to the judgment, hey, there's an all-knowing God that's going to judge you for everything you did. Ooh. That's not the most popular. <laughs> That's not really how we start off. But I was listening to one person. I can't remember where. But it made so much sense. He said, if God is God, he has to be the judge. Why? Because he's the ultimate standard of everything. He's the ultimate standard of everything. If God is God, he knows all things. So therefore, he's also the judge of all things. He knows motives of everyone. Why they're done as well. So when when we have done it, when we have failed, and and there's also commentators that said, commentators that was somebody, and it was in the seventies somebody wrote a book about what happened to sin because sin was falling out of the language and also in Denmark it's almost never used but that's a, that's a very interesting way of we're just taking it out of our, we're taking it out of our language and call it a, calling it something different, diff, different so in English it will be oh I have struggles 
I have challenges. We don't have sin. Well, that's very strange. Um, because why? Well, that needs to be taken away if we don't want to talk about the judgment as well. But it just, it just doesn't make any sense because what about the glory of Jesus then? What about all he's done? Doesn't that become less worth if we are just saying, well, these things. Like, we've all fallen short. I don't actually know if I had the verse, but we've all fallen short and sinned against God. And if we're all going to be judged by God, that is clear. And it's deserved. People won't hear that. But it's totally deserved. We've all failed. We've all lied. We've stolen. We've taken what, what is God's stuff, what is, we didn't. God says, vengeance is mine. Like, read the Psalms. Read the prophets. God is very clear about his justice. Vengeance is mine. I will repay and it happens many times in the Bible. Noah, Sodom and Gomorrah, and judges, and kings, and prophets. In Acts, even, we see Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, they lie and die. We see Herod that was mentioned. He's killed by a worm because he, worship, he receives worship. People say, uh, not people, <laughs> Jesus says to people, no, he, when he calls wo- uh, woes over the cities, he, ca- he calls uh, woe to you because if these works were done in Sodom and Gomorrah they would have repented a long time ago saying that these cities will also be judged because if they are rejecting him they will also be judged in the coming judgment the great judgment is that we have, re- we have rejected Jesus as the only way and we choose to trust in ourselves Oh, we reject Jesus because we're too proud to believe that he can save us. So there's like these two two ways. We trust in ourselves or we reject Jesus because we don't think he's good enough to save us. Well, both of them are like very prideful. First one is like, I'm good enough. I can do it myself. But this... somebody said like who has lied to you the most who has let yourself down the most and most of the time it's probably yourself then how can we come back and say well I am good enough I don't need Jesus I can have righteousness myself I think it's this overview of how good we are ourselves and it's like a very underview of how holy and just and all knowing God is then we have the other one that sometimes comes off more holy but is really also just a, a slap in the face of God oh I'm too bad for Jesus to save me so it sounds like hmm but at the heart of it is it's full of pride and distrust because if Jesus says he can save you if God provides salvation through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection through his blood, then how is somebody to say, oh, I am more than that? Again, a totally misunderstanding of who God is and who Jesus is. He's the Lord, Lord, the King of Kings. 
the one that was saved to the othermost, so then us saying like, oh, he can't save me, is just another form of pride and self-trust and rejecting of who God is. And saying, I'm definitely better than Jesus. I know better. I know better than God. I know better, you know, although God in his wise counsel, he had this redemption, salvation plan. I know better. And then the part we've, I think we've talked about some different times is that about judgment is that we all want judgment when somebody hurts us. Then we need judgment. We need things to be made right. Because it's, because it's like, that's the right thing to do. Like, no, no, you hurt me. You have to pay. You stole from me. You have to pay back. You have to do other things. So everybody wants judgment, just not on themselves. That's why we want mercy. Oh, but but I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't do that, or I didn't. So most people want justice. Also in the world, there's this like justice movement. But it's not. It's really almost never about God's justice. Mostly humans wanting justice. Oh, oh, humans. But it really bothers. It really bothers Felix a lot. And I think it might bother a lot of people today as well. Even even I was also tricked. I was tricked. Uh, The song that we sang... How did Jesus get into the grave without dying? There's a verse missing that talks about the wrath of God. But that verse is not popular. So people don't sing that verse. I was tricked myself one time. But I think it says something about our culture. Even the Christian culture has a PR machine going that we think we have to modify who Jesus is and we have to modify who God is so that he will not offend. God and Jesus will always offend because it's about the hearts of people that are rebellions against God. And so if you, we don't want to submit to Jesus Christ, if we don't want to trust in his righteousness, if we don't believe that he calls us to self-control, if we don't believe that there's a coming judgment, it doesn't matter what we make God into. We cannot make a God that people is going to accept. Well, maybe we can. I mean, there's lots of false religions. But the God that we worship, we cannot cut off corners and say, oh, this is who he is. No percent Jesus Christ is who he is. And then people have to receive. We hope and pray that they will receive who he is. Not cutting corners and saying, well, you know, God, he was like one time he was really mad. Now he's not mad anymore. He didn't really, he didn't really, he doesn't really want you to change. Like, of course you can keep your sin, you know, because it's part of your identities now. I'm not going to call you to repent. How evil is that? If Jesus comes to die for our sin, how can we tell one another, no, just continue to do that. 
just continue to destroy yourself, your family, your other people. No, no, you don't have to be faithful to your spouse. You don't have to, whatever, you don't have to stop lying. How evil is that when we tell people to continue in their sin and continue in their moral decay when they are asked to become new creations in Christ? By faith in Christ Jesus, everything changes. It's his righteousness. It's that what helps us have self-control because of the coming judgment. But as we come to later, we don't fear judgment because Jesus has taken that judgment on himself. But then do not... Let us never call people to less, but always to more. Jesus never comes to anybody and says, hey, continue to do your sin. Never. He says, I love you. There's a better way. Go and sin no more. I'm way off script, but also it's just because I don't know. I, I, Kaleem was praying for the persecuted church, you know, and uh, we've been praying for Andrew in prison, and he was he got out, and you know, sometimes probably they have a way better, better, closer relationship with Jesus because they really need him. But also, what kind of? I was going to say some bad words. Taking God away as the righteous judge, Jesus the righteous judge, with the sword to free the captive. What about the people that's in captivity? What are people that are in sex trades now? What are people that are persecuted? What about the ones who actually need somebody to fight for them? So us in the weak West, we're like, no, no, Jesus, he just sits and pets sheep all the time. And his friends with kids. Yes, he is. He's also coming with a sword to judge. To free the captives. Even in this story, you can see the unrighteousness of just leaving Paul in prison. Using power, using, uh, taking other people's wives, using power, killing tons of people, just gathering things for themselves. And then like when we did, uh, when we did judges, like everybody did whatever was right in their own eyes. And we see the same thing today. Of course we need God as a judge. Because what's happening today is weird. I even... (laughs) This is right out the top of my head. I was talking. <laughs> I was talking to my some people I run with, and he was just sharing how people in his company would willingly, willingly make contracts that would ruin the country, uh, not the country, but the company. They would willingly make bad contracts so they could, because they would get a percentage of what the deal was. But then next year, the company was losing money because they made a bad deal. And he was like, he's not a Christian. He's like, there's like, it's like people do that all the time in that business. And he's like, there's no adults in the room. I was like, no. That's crazy. Because people are selfish and greedy. They will ruin their own companies. 
Sorry, that's just. <laughs> but I think it illustrates the point of like we live in a world where you, if people think they can get away with anything, some people will do that. So there's, there's got to be a judge. There's got to be a judgment of all those things, or else, or else God is not just. these are like the key points and these are the things that us to point like it's not like this just like self-control just like explodes out of us and then we all have it this uh, can you take the Galatians slide like where we read about we read about the fruits of the Holy Spirit And the key also, the last part. But the fruits of the Spirit is, is love, joy, patience, peace, and, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passion and its desires. Jesus' work his righteousness, his self-control, crucified, our flesh crucified with him. So it's not like, it's not the whole thing that we just like, we just do better, but it's continuing to reflect on how much Jesus has already done. Asking him to, as we talked about last week, fan those things into flame that I keep remembering that I don't have to have my own righteousness. I have to have Jesus' righteousness. So then how I respond can hopefully be full of love, joy, patience, kindness, instead of, you are an idiot. Like, have self-control as well. I have, what's the others I have? I can't really remember. Or like we are on the there. No. Next one. Yes. Let's have Romans. Oh, okay. The Romans, 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 Romans. Romans. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophet bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. That's what we've been talking about. For all who believe in Jesus. There's no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what we talked about. Everybody has fallen and are justified by his grace as a gift. So it wasn't our works. It was his grace grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ whom God put forth as a probation by his blood to be received by faith grace through faith this was to show God's righteousness because he in his divine forbearance had passed over former sins it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ that's what we've been talking about today. 
story of Jesus Christ, his righteousness that is obtained through faith by grace in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Then what happens? Well, then number four, the coming judgment is nothing to be feared at all. But we can rejoice in God's judgment because he is perfect in his judgment. Any that Jesus has paid, or people will have the exact right judgment. Not like if I should judge somebody, but exact right judgment, which is right and good. For us, the call is to share with people, to have faith in Jesus Christ, that through faith, through grace, they can have Jesus' righteousness and be saved, redeemed. It's an invitation into joy. It's an invitation into having more joy. Sometimes when people are confronted, when we are confronted, well, any of us is confronted with sin, most of us are like, oh, and we want to punch the person that confronts us. But it's, when we are confronted in the scriptures, when Jesus confronts us in the scriptures, it's an invitation for more. It's an invitation to true joy. It's the opposite of Jesus saying, stay in your sin. No, he said, come out of it. Come out of it, be totally free. This is sanctification. We're on sanctification grounds to be glorified. Come in, come in. Come into more joy. Come into more trust in who I am. Come into relying more on who I am. Believe that you're a new creation in Christ. Believe the deep joy that you can have through repentance and even more freedom. Believe that you are no longer a slave to sin or the world and the flesh and the devil. Believe that you are adopted, redeemed, that we are called to be lights of the world, to love God in Christ and share that with the world. Rejoice in God's glory. Rejoice in who God is instead of trying to make in somebody else. But rejoice in Christ Jesus. Amen. Look, I would thank you for this time. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for Luke writing things down for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for preserving your word. Lord Jesus, pray for our hearts and minds. You call us out to seek you first, to seek your kingdom first and all your righteousness. So Lord, we ask that you help us to do that. And Lord, I pray that our fellowship would continue, continue, continue. Lord, I pray for myself. Help me, Lord, every day to trust you more and more. Not just in my head, but really in my whole being. Rest in who you are. Not be afraid that when I read your word, or when a brother comes and confronts, that's an invitation in to grow. And Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for meeting us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for 
coming in your grace and mercy. Thank you that that you meet us and you continue to meet us and you continue to change us. And Lord, forgive us for the times where we have not listened, where we have not obeyed. Lord, help us repent of that and come closer to you. I pray for your great joy for all of us. That maybe not everything is going great, but we have a deep-seated root of joy because of your story, Jesus. Your righteousness. You're the one who can create self-control and you're the one who helps us not fear death, not fear judgment because you have won over death, sin, and the devil and set us free. So we thank you and we praise you. In your great name, amen. And so you may stand for...